Hey, everybody, welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, the podcast that believes in three things, strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. And guys, I have guys and girls and ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, I have good news for you here. We have picked a topic that is so non-controversial that we're all just going to sing Kumbaya. <laughs> this 68-seed bracket is just going to be one giant I love you, you love me Barney Watchathon because we are discussing the best sci-fi slash fantasy writers of all time. And we're getting started here in the top left quadrant of the bracket. Before we get into the bracket, let's meet the panelists. First in Raleigh, North Carolina, Jeff, the bracket master. Jeff, my friend, how you doing? What you drinking? I'm doing well, and I am prepared to take all kinds of heat as the bracket master here, and uh, all the people I've left out, and all the people that I've included that I shouldn't, and all the really shitty seatings laid on me, guys. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, today I am drinking the uh, uh, Strena Golden Stout from uh, Full Steam Brewing down in Durham. Uh, let's see if I can do an opening thing. I've never done the actual opening on the show, so... All right, let's see if that worked. Good can pop. We'll take uh, that. Eight out of ten. Solid. <laughs> Tasting notes here are smooth, decadent, blondie bar. So that's uh, <laughs> pretty accurate. A little, uh, little coffee flavor back there, too. So it's nice light stout for the 75-degree weather we're having here. So, <laughs> Well, Jeff went with beer. Let's see if the next person went even harder. Steven, my friend, you got liquor in your cabinet right now? What you drinking? No. <laughs> Since we are doing the uh, 68 reasons why I didn't get laid in high school bracket, <laughs> I'm going to stick with a non-alcoholic beverage. A This one's going to hurt and be personal. So I'm going to the hard stuff indeed. I'm going with a Mountain Dew Code Red Zero Sugar. All right. Let me break out the monster manual, lock myself in my room and get ready for this. Oh, it's going to be a good time. Uh, before we get started going any further, I'm going to go ahead and pop mine. This is actually a bottle pop. Uh, I bought this bottle over the weekend. Uh, this is from the St. Pete Distillery right here in St. Petersburg, Florida. This particular bottle you can only get at their store in St. Pete or if you catch them at a live event. So they have an orange liqueur. The orange liqueur there is phenomenal. Um, this is a personalized bottle or a special bottle they make. It is a combination of their orange liqueur with their bourbon. It is delight in a glass. I had it straight. I'm going to have it on the rocks tonight. And let's just take a gander. This is called Tipplers. And that just smells delightful. That's dangerous stuff. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my. Oh, it's going to be a good night. All right. We're going to keep on rolling. We're heading. We're actually going to stay in Florida. We're going to head on out to Jacksonville. Carmela Smith, how are you doing tonight? And what are you drinking? I'm doing well. Uh, I don't have code red, but that stuff will kill you. Uh, you said, you know, it's a light night for you. Um, and actually, that bourbon does sound really good. I Eventually, I will come down to St. Petersburg. I swear I will. Um, but I am drinking uh, my most recent favorite uh Peanut butter milk stout from Left Hand Brewing Company out of Longmont, Colorado. Um, you know I love stouts, um, and this one is this one's great. I mean, everyone knows it's great, but it's great for a reason. So <laughs> it is one of the best. We got a can ah. of everything. 
All right. We're now we're going to head out to what is not the home of Muscadine Wine. Brian Nash in Iowa, my friend. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name of the city. How are you doing? What are you drinking? Uh, Muscatine and me are both doing well. Uh, tonight, I'm still on that diet I was talking about before. I've got a couple more weeks to go. Woo-hoo. I'm down. I'm down 20 pounds so far. I'm shooting. I, I'm. I was aiming for 40. I'll probably hit 30. I'll be happy with that. Nicely done, but sir. Tonight it's going to be Captain and Coke. Although the Coke tonight will be Wild Cherry Diet Pepsi. Salute. Next up, we're heading back to the greater Chicagoland area. You've heard her on the Pub Trivia Experience. We have her here. Jay Borson, my friend. Same two to you. I'm I'm living the dream, Chris. It's good to I feel like I haven't spoken to you in so long. It's, it's been, been it's been a good like day and a half. Almost. Almost <laughs> a week, I'd say. Uh, and this will come as a surprise to I think literally no one on the podcast that tonight's beverage of choice uh is the superior distilled spirit out of Florida. Siesta Key spiced rum out of Sarasota. Uh sounds a little something like this. Jay has a brand and I respect it. <laughs> Her brand is drinking straight from the bottle. Absolutely. Jay's about to not have a liver, but respect where respect is due. We're going to jump right in, y'all. I'm telling you, we're going to keep this as short and simple. Y'all have one minute. I will play playoff music, and I will start swearing or singing to get you to stop talking. But we are going to start with a play-in game. Top left corner of the bracket over in the fantasy region, our play-in game for the 16 seed, R.A. Salvatore. Or Robert Howard, Jeff. We're starting with you. Oh, yeah. The, there's always some uh, concerning things in those old '30s, '40s Pulp Fiction uh, books. Uh, I was reading some of the uh, the Conan books from Robert Howard earlier, and yeah, it's just kind of there. It moves along. It's it's all right. Uh, I think it's worth the win here. So uh, let's. Uh, Let's throw a vote at Robert Howard's way and see how this goes. Robert Howard has the first vote. Next pick goes to Steven. Yeah, the, the Conan books are not great even for pulp novels. Um, but here's the thing. R.A. Salvatore, basically, he just writes the Dungeons & Dragons books. But Dungeons & Dragons, the whole point is it's a choose-your-own-adventure, and I don't get to do that when I read the books. So I don't see the point of his writings. I'm going to go with uh, Robert Howard. Robert Howard got a strong 2-0 lead. Next pick goes to Carmella. Um, so Robert Howard, definitely a product of his pulp era. Um, I am not into Conan Zimmerman at all. Just not even a little bit. Um, R.A. Salvatore, though, um, does really well in the Forgotten Realms. I am a, I am a D&D bitch. I mean, it's just true. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, he did a lot of the, the lore and world building for a video game that I really enjoy called Kingdoms of Amalore. So he does do more than just D&D books. Um, so I am going to vote for R.A. Salvatore. R.A. No, it's Salvatore. Is Salvatore. it Salvatore? Salvatore? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard of never, either of these heard people. heard it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> Ari Salvatore has picked up a vote. Next vote here goes to Brian. All right. These are two authors that I have read extensively. Uh, <laughs> Robert E. Howard. Yeah, Conan the Barbarian. Call the Conqueror. Solomon Kane. He did literally dozens of other lesser-known characters and some Cthulian stuff working with H.P. Lovecraft. Robert A. Salvatore. 
Drizzt Dillard, and Ruinor Battlehammer, Wolfgar the Barbarian, Cadibri, Artemis Dreary, Jarl Axel. He he does he writes uh, fantasy very well. He especially writes uh, combat fighting very well. Um, Salvatore really helped put the Forgotten Realms on the map. And it is not an easy choice, but I'm going to put this in Jay's lap because I'm voting R.A. Salvatore. Wow, I told y'all this is going to be a nice, easy, uh, easy bracket, and we're starting off in a play-in game with a 2-2 two two tie. Now, here's the real question. Is anyone passionate enough to use their one buzzer beater in the entire round of 64 on a 16-seed play-in game? Speak now or forever hold your peace. Jay, my friend, I think this is all on you. Uh, it does seem to be all on me, and I think Jeff knows, having uh, put together this bracket in pre-production, where my vote is going to go. I uh, campaigned hard. I was angry at the uh, absence of a certain R.A. Salvatore from the original cut of the bracket. R.A. Salvatore is the author that got me into reading fantasy books. It's the author that got me immersed uh, as as a sad teenager in the concept of playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, there is definitely an emotional connection there. Um, those books uh, were willed down to me from a dear departed friend. Uh, I have read, I think, the first 12 or 13 books in the Dritz series. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't want to tell uh, Jeff and Steven that they're wrong, but I will tell Jeff and Steven that they're wrong. And R.A. Salvatore deserves to move on in this bracket, comma, damn it. <laughs> so the comma damn it is going to become a theme just so you all are aware because these decisions don't get easier as we move on in the bracket R.A. Salvatore is moving on to the main bracket no rest for the weary after a punch drunk first fight R.A. Salvatore is the 16th seed goes up against J.R.R. Tolkien good luck Steven kick us off So, uh, starting in middle school, I began to read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings once a year every year. Starting in high school, I added the Silmarillion to that rotation. I start them every year on September the 22nd because that's Bilbo and Frodo's combined birthday. I'm going to go ahead and give away the game a little bit. I'm sort of a Tolkien fan. I read all the shit, even the stuff his kid published about the writing and creation of Middle-earth... I'm a complete nerd. I apologize to no one about that because he is the reason this bracket exists. Let's be honest. Tolkien, he, he creates what is fantasy we judge all fantasy against is Tolkien. I'm going to talk about him more throughout the bracket because I'm either going to see him win or I'm going to hunt down my other panelists with a pack of blood wolves and rectify the problem. So, I'm glad you got your little R.A. Salvatore Salvatore. An artist so important we don't even know his name. He's losing to Tolkien in this round. <laughs> Tolkien gets the vote. Tolkien does get the first vote. Next vote goes to Carmella. <laughs> Saying that we don't know his first name and then talking about J.R.R. Tolkien is, is kind of a weird argument. Um, but, however, it really didn't matter who won the play-in game because they had to go up against J.R.R. Tolkien. It's not fair. It's the way it got seated. I totally get it. Um, I read The Hobbit when I was, I don't know, 11 for the very first time. I have read them so many times since. Um, even the movies, as far as the Lord of the Rings trilogy is really great. The Hobbit movies, you know, they have their own 
deal going on. But it's it is a world that we all know very well. The in, there is no question of the influence that it has on the genre. It is a pillar. It is wonderful. Um, Ari Salvatore, which I how the fuck you say his name, Salvatore, um, is great. But it, I mean, you can't you can't hold a candle to, to Tolkien. You can't. Um, so Tolkien's definitely got my vote here. Tolkien's got a second vote. Next pick here is going to Brian. Okay, so as I take a drink from my Dungeons and Dragons glass here, um, I will say Robert A. Salvatore <clears throat> um, helped put second edition Dungeons and Dragons on the map because that was when his stuff came out alongside the Forgotten Realms campaign world as a campaign world. And he did very good things and he did great stuff, but all of his stuff was built around warriors and wizards and elves and dwarves and orcs and all this stuff that Tolkien did first. And it's John Ronald rule Tolkien just for the record, <laughs> because I, I love both of these authors significantly and it's completely not fair, but Tolkien is going to sweep this easily. Tolkien is going to move on. It's got a 3-0 lead. Bring it over to Jay. Oh, I, I don't know if Tolkien's going to sweep this necessarily, Brian. <laughs> I have a minute in a soapbox <laughs> to defend my good friend Robbie here. Um, I, I will say this uh, from my experience. I have surprisingly never read a work that Tolkien wrote. Uh, oh. My entire familiarity is cultural uh, through you know, uh, TV and animation and, of course, the Lord of the Rings films. I haven't even seen the, the Hobbit uh, trilogy, which, for the record, one film, one book, one film. Just going to throw that out there. Um, so my my vote is actually kind of split here because I do recognize uh, Brian's greater point that uh, Tolkien walked so Salvatore could run. I think it has to go down uh, to a deeply personal metric for me, and that is is how much foot-related content is in the author's works. Uh, and Tolkien... <laughs> Tolkien wins on two fronts. One, the hobbits and their famous hairy feet. But two, and I don't know if anybody here knows this, Viggo Mortensen uh, broke his toe during the filming of Lord of the Rings. So for that reason and that reason alone, I'm going to begrudgingly give the nod to uh, Jur Tolkien or whatever that says. <laughs> <laughs> technically lord of the rings is one book as well they they just had to split it into three because it was so fucking big <laughs> wouldn't know didn't read too busy uh living my drit stewart and uh cam girl fantasies well um we learned a lot about jay there that was fun <laughs> yeah there are 63 more of these he said yes this is gonna be great <laughs> Uh, that is a surprising vote for Tolkien, even though mm. she just told us she was not going to vote for J.R.R. Tolkien. Stephen do, uh, Stephen, do we have the sweep here? Jeff, I mean, do we have the sweep here? Sorry. Sure we do. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jay's foot fetish aside, Tolkien has a lot of other things to offer the world uh, that my fellow panelists have mentioned. I'm not the world's biggest Tolkien fan. Uh, I think the... Uh, I, Honestly, uh, part of his strengths was getting into the incredibly minute details of world building that unfortunately end up kind of dragging on a little bit. Uh, 
but then you know you invent like three entire languages for your world you have to have some sort of vehicle for putting that out there um so i don't know that tolkien is the slam dunk to advance as far as a couple of my other panelists might say but you know he's definitely the winner here so and deservingly so i mean the man is a legend for a reason well, there's your sweep. J.R.R. Tolkien dancing his way into the round of 32. We are moving right along to our third pick of the evening. Carmela, you're kicking us off. The eight seed, Edgar Rice Burroughs. The nine seed, Dean Koontz. Um, so actually, when I was reviewing this, this is actually a little difficult. Um, I've read so many Dean Koontz books. Uh, the Odd Thomas series is actually, uh, personally, it's a book series that my mother and I bond over. Um, and I enjoy it very much. It's it's very suspense. It's very like uh, almost popcorny as far as like oh I like I gotta turn to the next page and I gotta get to the, like what's going on. Uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs is you know influential in the genre. Um, you know b- the whole Barsoom series and with John Carter. Um, I just I don't like it as much. I really just don't. Um, so it's gonna come down to personal opinion for me. And I'm going to have to go with uh, with Dean Koontz. That's going to be my vote. Dean Koontz has the first vote. Next pick goes to Brian. Okay. I kind of have the same feel, but um, I have read, uh, growing up, my mom and my aunt were both big fans of pulp uh, fiction novels. And I've read an extensive amount of Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff. I've read quite a few of the Tarzan novels. I've read some Barsoom. I think I read all of the At the Earth's Core, the Pellucidar books. Um, so I have a, a he, he's a product, he was a product of his time and there were, there are issues, but um, Dean Koontz, I only ever knew him as a horror writer. I don't, I, I haven't read any of his sci-fi, uh, anything other than his horror. And just for personal, you know, what I've read the most, what I, I, I loved, all the Tarzan stuff was really cool. And just, I I got to go with Edgar Rice Burroughs for this one. Edgar Rice Burroughs ties it up one to one. Jay, your turn. All right, so real talk, uh, fellow panelists. I don't know that I could, gun to my head, tell you the difference between Dean Koontz and John Grisham. <laughs> That's a knowledge gap on my part, and I am willing to I'm accept totally that hit. Um, yeah, if if you paid me to name a Dean Koontz novel, I'm probably going to say The Lincoln Lawyer uh, and not get the money. Uh, however, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, I am familiar with his work uh, because he was the jumping off point for a pair of underperforming Disney films. Uh, One named for my favorite character on ER uh, and the other, uh, the best music that uh, Phil Collins has put into this world. Remember, Phil Collins did not have to go that hard for us on this hard sand soundtrack, but he did out of love. So uh, for that reason, I've got to throw the nod to Eddie. (laughs) Eddie RB is picked up in second vote. Next pick here goes to Jeff. Yeah, one of the things we're going to have to deal with as we go through this bracket is how do we deal with authors who are just kind of pieces of shit? And yeah, Edgar Rice Burroughs, even for his time, was a piece of shit. (laughs) Like, I mean, 
he was a eugenicist, guys. <laughs> like, not okay with the... And, and one of the things I look at is, you know, okay, does that come across in his work? And, like, oh boy, does it. I started getting into some of the, the, the Barsoom stuff as uh, prep for this, and I think the second paragraph I read is how I was talking about John Carter and how the, uh, the owner's slaves fairly loved the ground he walked on. I'm like, oh boy, oh boy. We're not, this isn't going to go anywhere good, is it? Uh, I read some Dean Koontz as a kid. I enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think I'll give it to that just because I, I can't make it through an Edgar Rice Burroughs at this point in my life, I guess. Now, Dean Koontz is uh, tied up at two to two. Anyone want to throw a buzzer beater out there to try and sway Steven one way or another, as if that is possible? <laughs> it's not. Steven, give us your opinion, sir. First of all, I'm very open to outside opinions and absorbing them all in and processing them fairly so I can tell you all why you're wrong, go to hell. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, our boy Eddie, everyone's right here. He's a racist piece of shit. Um, but here's the good thing. You can take one of Eddie's books, uh, take that racism out or at least tone it down as much as possible and you can still get a decent story out of it because the core of the Tarzan stories or the John Carter stories are actually really good tales. There's something to be said about them that's more universal and outshines the asshole that wrote them. Dean Koontz? Well, let's be honest. Ten years after Dean Koontz dies, is anyone going to think, wow, I haven't read a Dean Koontz novel in a while and really something missing from my life? <laughs> no. What you're going to notice is that somebody else has a book in an airport that you're going to look at and decide not to buy because it's the modern era and you have a phone. That's the legacy of Dean Koontz. That's why he's not getting my vote. Edgar Rice Burroughs raised his ass, moves on. <laughs> Edgar Rice Burroughs is moving on in a controversial pick. We expect nothing from Stephen but his true feelings here. I mean, let's let's be honest. If we had to remove everybody who had racist thoughts from this bracket, this uh, episode would be about twelve minutes long. That's true. Oh yeah, that's true. Sure. And it would all be feet conversation. So, <laughs> well, now I want to take back that statement. Let's do it. <laughs> we along. Next up, yeah, we're finally getting into the podcast I've always wanted to be on. <laughs> oh, look at the time, uh... <laughs> Brian! Don't go anywhere. You're kicking us off on this next one. You got a five, twelve. Upset possibility, the five seed, Madeline Leangel, against the 12 seed, as Carmela put it earlier, Dick Asprin. <laughs> it's Robert <Okay>. Asprin. <laughs> yes, it is Robert Asprin. Okay, Madeline Lingle, uh, she wrote A Wrinkle in Time, which is an absolute classic. Uh, Robert Asprin wrote a series of phenomenal uh fantasy comedy adventures called Myth Adventures. Uh, he also did uh, a sci-fi version called Fool's Company uh, that was kind of the same same vein, but sci-fi instead. And he was the guy behind the Thieves' World novels that uh, there were so many of them back in the day. Um, Madeline wrote something great, but Robert Aspen, I, I have on my shelf, on the shelves right back here, uh, half of that top shelf is Robert Aspen novels. Because I love that guy and I love the, the stuff that he has done so much. Very easy, 
upset pick for me. Robert Aspirin deserves to move on. Robert Aspirin, the 12 seed, is up one nothing. Next pick here goes to Jay. Oh, Brian, my sweet, sweet friend. You and I are dialed into the same wavelength on this. Uh, Madeline Lego wrote a fantastic book, which I read once when I was eight. Uh, and everybody should read once when they're eight. Uh, Robert Aspirin wrote 15, 20 books that I have read and reread over 25, 30 years. Uh, the writing does not get stale. Uh, the comedy is beautiful. The The world building is there, but it's there in a way that isn't, say, as deep as a Tolkien, but it draws you in. They are accessible reads uh, for, for newbies to the genre because they come in comedy first, fantasy slash sci-fi second. Uh, I am personally mad at Robert Aspirin for being mortal and not giving me 30 more books in the myth series uh, because those characters had an impact on me uh much the same as my boy bobby s did uh as a teenager so yeah it's a no doubter for me look i recognize the the respect that madeline lingle deserves as an author and the contribution she has made to to young fiction and that doesn't uh deserve to be swept under the rug but uh best fantasy author i i gotta go with with robert uh because you screwed me out of one robert and i'm i'm hitching my wagon to a second one well, as I'm reminded by both Brian and Jay that I don't know how to pronounce the word Lengel, we are moving on. <laughs> Just remember, it's French for the angle. <laughs> Jeff, save me. <laughs> Still sober, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my choice, I suppose. Um. I do love the the Myth Adventures series. It's it is uh, a lot of fun. I think it comes down to me for when these writers came into my life. Uh, for me, uh, Robert Asprin suffers a little bit from having come into my life after Pratchett, and having therefore been you know I look I look at him as oh, okay well. I feel like Terry does it a little better, but I, I mean, no offense. Like that's, that's not putting down Robert Aspirin in any way uh, because of how much I love Terry Pratchett. But uh, anyway, I, th I, I read the wrinkle in time series over and over again as a kid. And it really had an effect on me. Uh, probably a lot more than a lot of other books I read as a, as a youngster. So I got to go with battle of my goal here. Well, Maddie L has picked up her first vote. Next pick here goes to Steven. Oh, Steven got bit by the mute bug, guys. So, uh, yeah, this one's tough. I, I came to Aspirin through Fool's Company uh, from the sci-fi side, uh, and I loved it. I, I absolutely adore his writing because comedy is hard, especially when it's just a written, like there's nobody's acting it out, so you don't have, you know, indications for timing or anything. It's fucking hard to write comedy. And his books work. Like, like they're legitimately funny. Um, but A Wrinkle in Time is A Wrinkle in Time. Like, if, if maybe it is an age thing, but it found me at the right age. It found me, you know, that 8 to 10 range when my world was still full of wonder and had to become jaded by, like, you know, going on a podcast and listening to terrible opinions all day. Um... 
So I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to kick the can down the road because I don't want to make the decision. I'm going to go ahead and put it to uh, Madeline there. Madeline's got her second vote, and we have got a two-to-two tie. Carmela, it's going to be your pick, but does anybody want to go ahead and lock in their buzzer beater, try and sway her one way or another? Carmela, it's all in your capable hands. All right. Um, so I'm not as familiar with Robert Asprin. Um, I had to go and look him up because I was like, I don't know who Richard Asprin is because that's what it was originally on the bracket. Um, and I think maybe that speaks to that Madeline Langle is definitely, he's got a harder name and was put in correctly. <laughs> so <laughs> as far as what her sticking power is, um, I, I mean, I, I totally understand, you know, comedic fantasy. I am totally into um but, I mean, Madeline Lingle is not one as pro- prolific. However, what an introduction to the genre. If you were a kid and just finding fantasy and sci-fi for the same time, at the, at, at, for the first time, I mean, what a way to go in with, with A Wrinkle in Time. Also picks one of the most cliche opening lines in literary history and fucking nails it. <laughs> it's a dark and stormy night and managed to make it not cliche, not stupid. Um, and I, I think it's wonderful. I think A Wrinkle in Time is great for children and it is a great introduction to the genre. Um, and she is honestly more well known and for probably a good reason. Um, so I am going to vote for Madeline Langle. Madeline Langle is going to pick up the win, moving on to the round of 32. No rest for us, though. We are moving on. Hey, trivia lovers, want to get the pub trivia experience in an interactive way? Check out Liquid Courage Entertainment. With a wide range of offerings online, LK has you covered, streaming a wide variety of trivia games on Twitch with one-of-a-kind formats like Tringo, Guestimate, Mega Sheep, and more. Or check out the World Trivia Federation. With 36 hours to answer each quiz and no obligation, the WTF is the perfect solution to scratch that trivia itch on your own time. Come see us at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage or check out patreon.com slash liquid courage to join the WTF for as little as $2 a month. That's liquid courage with a K. Innovative, interactive, intoxicating. Uh, Is there possibly a 13 to 4 upset here? Maybe, maybe not. We're going to find out. Jay, you're kicking us off. The four seed Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman and J.R.R. Tolkien on the same side of the bracket. My lord. Taking on the 13 seed, Alan Dean Foster. Uh, I'm going to make my case for this short and sweet. Neil Gaiman is an amazing human being. He deserves all the great things in the world. Uh, I I don't know who Alan Dean Foster is. And that speaks to Neil Gaiman in this case. Uh, I'm going to uh, kick the problem down to my fellow panelists who probably researched uh, for this recording. <laughs> I have uh, a drinking problem. So Neil gets my vote and gets my vote enthusiastically. Well, good omens there from Jay as we move the next one over to Jeff. You. Nice. Well played, Chris. Well played. <laughs> yeah, this one didn't even close. Uh, Alan Dean Foster was a uh, actually a last-minute replacement uh, for, uh, I don't even remember who the hell he replaced, but I think he was like, well, he's cannon fodder for Neil Gaiman, so I'm not <laughs> sure it uh, matters that much. Uh, yeah, Neil Gaiman is, we'll talk more about him in the next round, I'm sure, uh, but yeah, if if for some reason the other three of you are huge Alan Dean Foster fans, I'm going to feel real stupid, but I'm going to vote for Neil Gaiman and move it along. So I'm going to ask that we stay on brand here. We're no longer, no longer going to use the term cannon fodder. From now on, we're using bantha fodder and nothing else, okay? 
Neil Gaiman's got second vote. Next pick yours goes to Steven. Well, let's see. Who is this Alan Dean Foster? He couldn't have written anything important since my uh, previously two panelists didn't even know. Let's see. Is there anything in his in his uh, works that's like a v- extremely important thing that's a touchstone of culture? Oh, here's here's a little script for a movie that you might have heard of. Alien. He wrote Alien. My God, people. I get it. Neil Gaiman is fantastic. I'm still going to vote for him. But the man wrote Alien. Have you no respect? Have you no decency? For shame. Shame on you, on your cow, on your houses. I'm going to do it to Neil Gaiman, but shame. I'm going to have to do a lot of leveling for him. He's just way too loud. <laughs> I'm going to admit, I saw that name and I'm like, that name sounds really familiar. Steven, let me place it. though. Thank you, Steven. So, so wait, just to be clear, Alien is the movie with the aliens, right? <sighs> I just want to see if we can get Steven to peek more. <laughs> Steven clipped the entire time. Okay, there's one address I need. <laughs> Neil Gaiman with an emphatic vote against... An emphatic vote for Neil Gaiman and against two of our panelists is going to be moving on. Let's see what everybody has to say. <laughs> Carmela, it's over to you. So uh, I did know that about Alan Dean Foster. So thank you very much. Um, so I was going through this bracket with my partner earlier today, kind of preparing. And I already knew what I was going to vote. And I told him that Alan Dean Foster was on here. And knowing what he, what he, what he knows, he's like, oh, Alan Dean Foster's a hack. <laughs> He does a lot of novelizations. Uh, I mean, he's a working author. I totally respect that. Whatever. Uh, Neil Gaiman is Neil Gaiman. Uh, He is a storyteller down to his bedrock. And that's not just in his fiction work. It is also in his nonfiction work. Uh, He means a lot to me personally. Uh, For me, it's Neil Gaiman all the way. This is not even a question. It's Neil Gaiman. Well, Neil Gaiman's got a fourth vote. Let's see here. Brian, do we have a sweep? So, actually, I'm the person who crusaded for Alan Dean Foster to make it onto this bracket. Um, I have absolutely no issue with Neil Gaiman moving on. Neil Gaiman deserves to move on. But I'm going to, real quick, uh, take a moment. Yes, Alan Dean Foster wrote a lot of novelizations. Actually, if I remember correctly, I think he actually wrote the novelization of the entire alien universe he did but he also did star trek star wars so many other movies on my bookshelf the last starfighter the black hole and oh by the way he actually wrote a new novel called a splinter in the mind's eye which was the first star wars novel that was not one of the actual star wars movies he did the flinks in the commonwealth uh, series. He did the Spellsinger series. The guy is not a hack. He is a brilliant freaking author and deserved to get the mention. I'm giving him my vote be- just because he deserves to have a vote. Uh, but Neil Gaiman deserves to deserves the win, but I'm not... Uh, I, I, yeah. Alan Dean Foster gets my love. Alan Dean Foster picks up one vote. Doesn't matter. Neil Gaiman is moving on. I'm a little shocked that we went with four panelists voting for Neil Gaiman and no one talked about the Sandman. 
I won't take that personally. We are moving on. Well, we'll be able to talk about it soon. I mean, he's moving yes. on. <laughs> we're sa- we're saving some of our stuff, Christopher. We're making it dramatic. Don't don't full name me Carmella. <laughs> don't you full name me. You know, pronouncing syllables isn't full naming somebody, Chris. <laughs> Christopher. You see, you called me Chris. She called me Christopher. <laughs> And if I knew your middle name, I'd use it. It's Patrick. <laughs> so the secret is you get rid of your middle name and nobody can ever use it against you. <laughs> All right, we are moving on. Jeff, we're back to the top with you. You've got the six seed, Stephanie Mayer, who I know you're a huge fan of, taking on the 11 seed, Piers Anthony. Yeah, so uh, on a recent trip out to uh, the Olympic Peninsula, my uh, family and I, uh, on the way back from a rainforest, drove through the tiny little town of Fort Washington. Uh, which Stephanie Meyer has never visited and yet wrote all of her novels based there. (laughs) I don't know how you do that. How do you uh, write about a place you've never been that actually exists, right? So I guess that's just confusing to me. Um, But then I look at Piers Anthony, who is basically just kind of warmed over Tolkien tropes. uh, And I'm like, Gosh, I get. I guess. I, I guess I have to vote for the one who did something at least some sort of original. So vote for Stephanie Meyer here. Well, Stephanie Meyer does pick Meyer. Meyer does pick up her first vote. The next pick here is going to Stephen. Uh, that's an excellent point about uh, Stephanie Meyer never have going to Forks. Um, I know Edgar Rice Burroughs made sure he went to Mars before he wrote John Carpenter. Yeah, you know, <laughs> people so, actually live in that town. Just, I feel like a lot of... Here's the thing about <laughs> Jeffrey Carpenter. Not John Carter. <laughs> Steven. Yeah, that one too. Okay. Uh, uh, no, seriously. Uh, here's Anthony. Uh, I know him more from, like, the old DOS game that I'm pretty sure I had at one point way back when, the Xanth game. Like I, I've never read the books for it. Uh, Stephanie Meyer, she's not good. She really, really likes the word shimmering. Um, her world building doesn't make sense. Um, but you know what? I didn't have to look her up. She's made a much bigger impact than I have. So. She made a bigger impact than Piers. I'm going to go ahead and let's pass Stephanie along and sparkle her way into the next round. Well, now that our last two panelists have officially made me feel like a dick for trivializing her commit, her contributions to the uh, science fiction world, I will apologize for that. Although her that movie, those movies are terrible. We are moving on. Carmella, you're up. Oh, so this matchup is a race to the bottom for me. I'll be <laughs> quite honest. Um, it is. It is misogynistically written flat female characters versus sad and flat female characters. Um, Piers Anthony and the, in the Zan series, he cannot write women. Absolutely cannot write women to a point where it is creepy. Like it just comes off as really creepy. Um, so I have read all the Twilight books. Um, I, I read them when I was in my early twenties. Like when they came out, it did kind of revive people's interest in vampires in which, that's pretty cool. Um, but the reason I'm going to vote for Stephanie Meyer actually doesn't really have anything to do with Stephanie Meyer. It has to do with I watched the 
the com- the DVD commentary for the first Twilight movie and just listen to Robert Pattinson lose his fucking mind uh, the entire movie. And that for that reason alone, I'm going to vote for Stephanie Meyer. Also because Pierce Anthony's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> so... <laughs> If only that was a disqualifier on this bracket, being a weirdo no, is but, not... No, but really, the way that he writes women is, is misogynistic and creepy. So, just throwing that out there. No, that makes perfect sense. I'm okay with that. I'm on board with Stephanie Meyer now. All right, she's got a three to vote. Three vote to nil lead. Let's go over to Brian. Uh, okay. So, Stephanie Meyer wrote some fan fiction about vampires and they sparkle and that's all i have to say about that shit <laughs> piers anthony uh, the the xanth novels yeah that some of uh, the, the early ones i enjoyed as he went on they got less and less enjoyable yes but piers anthony wrote a seven book series uh, excuse me eight book series called the incarnations of immortality in which there were the death and time and the fates and war and nature. These, these were all not deities so much as they were jobs. They were pe- regular people stepped in and took, took over these positions as their job and wrote this really engaging and really fantastical and well-woven story that is one of my favorite stories I ever read. So, uh, this was a very quick and easy pick for me to go Piers Anthony, and it saddens me that none of the rest of y'all have any knowledge of what I'm talking about. So, I'm the old fart here. Uh, I loved Piers Anthony back from back in the day. I, Carmela, I, I haven't read a Piers Anthony book in, in 20 years plus. Mm-hmm. So, from uh, now, it may be much more obvious to me than what it was back then about him not writing women right because at that time I wasn't aware of anything like that because I was not aware of anything like that myself. I grew up. We learned, we grow, it's cool. Yes. <laughs> so Piers Anthony got my vote and I but it's too little too late. It is a little too little too late but not too little too late to hear what Jay's thoughts are. So my, my thoughts are, are shallow and brief, and they boil down to this. Uh, a question I wrote, I think, Monday for the World Trivia Federation says, and I quote, What film was the subject of the following scathing review by Mark Salov of the Austin Chronicle? The review reads, in part, I've had mosquito bites that were more passionate than this undead, unrequited, and altogether unfun pseudo-romantic riff on Romeo and Juliet. I think we can all agree that Stephanie Meyer is a hack. However... However, uh, I don't know a whole lot personally about Piers Anthony, so I took to a 30-second Google, and the word pedophilic shows up in his Wikipedia entry, so fuck him. Uh, I just, well, to be clear, uh, his characters are characterized as having misogynist and pedophilic undertones. Don't want to throw shade where shade does not necessarily need to exist. Um, I am livid that the Robert that is going to make it through the round of 16 is not Salvatore, it's not Aspirin, it's fucking Pattinson. (laughs) Uh, But I'm looking ahead to the bracket and I really, really, really want to see what happens to Stephanie Meyer in the next round. So let's push her through (laughs) and watch her burn at the stake. Yeah, 
I mean, it, it, she's not going to make it much further. I can guarantee yeah, that. Yeah. However, <laughs> well, speaking of stakes, we're moving on to our next pick. Next pick, we're starting off with Steven. Steven, the three seed is Anne Rice. The 14th seed, Philip Pullman. Take us away. So here's the thing about Anne Rice. If she herself had become one of the dead after writing her third vampire book, she might stand a chance. Like, legitimately, Interview with a Vampire, The Vampire Lestat, and uh, The Queen of the Damned. Really, really good books. Really, really interesting. A new, clever take on it. Uh, the idea of sympathizing with the monster. It, it's, it was, you know, not novel for its time, but she did it extremely well. And then she wrote a fourth book, get a fifth, and I assume a sixth, seventh, and eighth. I don't know. I could not keep up with it because that thing goes off the fucking rails. Um, but Pullman? I mean, uh, not, am I looking at an old one? I am looking at an old one. No, Pullman. Yes, I got it right. I looked at the wrong strip. All right, Pullman. Fine. Fuck it. He wrote, he wrote the Stark Materials. He wrote the Golden Compass. He, he's great. He's amazing. It, it's one of the most interesting, intense. Like, I, I love it. Yeah, Pullman all the way. And Rice, do yourself a favor. Like they, when they teach you to write, they tell you to take away the last paragraph. Just do that with like your last seven or eight books. Didn't didn't she just pass? A few years ago. Okay, well, recent enough. Stephen. Uh, by the way, thank you for the reminding me of Queen of the Dam because that gives me a chance to shout out Aaliyah. May you rest in peace. Oh, that was a crush from high school. We're moving on. Carmela, over to you. All right. Um, so my feelings about Anne Rice are complicated. Um, however, writing novels about monsters that are just inherently queer, horror as a genre, as a subgenre, also just inherently queer. I connect with that. I love that. However, Anne Rice's treatment of people in the fandom, um, I'm a person who has participated in fandom for a good portion of their life. Um, her treatment of people who write transformative works and fan fiction and all that stuff uh, was abysmal. Uh, she had whole sites deleted and that stuff is just lost forever. Drove people like underground and like couldn't share anything. I mean, just her treatment of, fa of fandom in general, just abysmal. Um, Phil Pullman's great. I love his dark materials. I think it's um, it's a really cool take in the genre. Um, it is really a kind of a takedown of Catholicism. Um, it is it is books I have read over and over again, and I will probably continue to read them over and over again. Um, I, I enjoy both sets of books. However, just Anne Rice's treatment of her fandom was just abysmal, and I'm going to give this one to Pullman. Pullman's got a second vote. Next pick here is going to Brian. Um, Philip Pullman, I had to look up because I didn't know wow. that name at all. Uh, I recognize his Dark Materials as a title and the Golden what Compass. What the hell? But that's not, that's somehow that one slipped through the cracks for me. It's, it's, it's one that I have not read. So... Now that I know, uh, once I knew who it was, okay, got it. Now when I, uh, okay, we've got his dark materials going up against interview, interview with the vampire, and the other stuff that Anne Rice did. Um, I don't have a really strong opinion about either of these authors. Um, 
uh, it could be fun to put Anne Rice up against Stephanie Meyer. That that could be a fun discussion. <laughs> um, so, because I I read the I I read Anne Rice's others trilogy that hasn't really come up, but. Well, oh wait, no, this isn't this isn't family friendly. Fuck it. Uh, the erotic trilogy that she wrote about Sleeping Beauty was was interesting reading too, and I will, I, I fuck it. Let's go, Anne Rice, because I'm I'm feeling bad after the after the Piers Anthony re- reveal that I wasn't aware of. Well, uh, Anne Rice has got herself a vote. Next pick here goes to Jay. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bury the, or unbury the lead here a little bit. I desperately want to have the Stephanie Meyer and Rice conversation. Um, I will spend some time talking about how amazing Philip Pullman in is and his works and their adaptations. Um, no, no disrespect to the cultural impact last you know 20, 30 years that Anne Rice's work has had. Let's be honest. If you had a horny mom uh, in the '90s, she was reading Interview with a Vampire. She walked so Stephanie Meyer could fumble um there are there, there are three wow. kind of tiers of of writing the undead uh and i'm pretty sure as i scroll over that tier one is on this list i would put ann rice in tier two uh and i want to see her body stephanie meyer who is definitely tier three um so as much as i think philip pullman deserves to win this bracket Monster. i'm voting for ann rice okay chaos gremlin <laughs> <laughs> Let chaos reign. Comma, damn it. <laughs> and with that, Anne Rice picks up the second vote. We have yet another two to two tie. It is open for buzzer beaters if anyone wants to try and sway Jeff one way or another. You know, a lot of passionate pleas in there, and then no one wants to lodge a buzzer beater. Screw I'm you, saving y'all it no for fun. something else. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I got crosses to burn in this bracket, and the the vampire versus vampire one is not one I'm willing to pull the trigger on. Jeff, make the final pick. All right, look, it it might be slightly belied by my vote in the last round, but I've got to... I don't like vampires. I find them largely uninteresting. I'm not... I, I, I don't enjoy reading about them. The only vampire... uh... cultural artifact that I enjoy is what we do in the shadows. Which I guess requires some knowledge of other vampire tropes and things, but anyone who's kind of seen five minutes of the old Dracula and like, just kind of existed in this culture understands them. So, yeah, Philip Pullman is fun and engaging and, yeah, takes some craps on organized religion in general. Uh, I think it's it's a fun series of books, and I think he's a pretty good writer. Writer, so I'm gonna move Pullman along. Now the upset has happened. The 14th seed has upset the three seed. Philip Pullman is moving on. For those that are like, "Ah, oh, vampires aren't interesting," go watch the miniseries Midnight Mass, and then tell me that one of the best series to come out in the last fifth, ten years. Miniseries to come out in the last ten years. It's amazing. We are moving on. Can I just double check real quick that I have the right data uh, that everybody else is looking at? Is this a bracket where Bram Stoker doesn't exist? Yeah. You put Stephanie fucking Meyer on the bracket. Stephanie fucking Meyer, but not the original. We are moving on. This is why I do it. (laughs) We got two picks left this episode. Carmela, you're kicking us off. The seven seed, Mary Shelley. The ten seed, Anne McCaffrey. By all means, take us away. All right. 
I love Pern. Love Dragon Riders. I think it's great. I think you should read it. I mean, especially if, if you know if you've got kids or whatever, and they're getting into to fantasy. Dragon Riders of Pern, wonderful set of books to read. However, <laughs> uh, Mary Shelley essentially invented the genre of sci-fi as we know it. Um, she wrote it when she was she wrote Frankenstein when she was nineteen. Um, in the it was in the eighteen hundreds, and the book still mostly holds up. In its twenty twenty three, um, is a cultural impact uh, as far as creating the genre. Uh, for me, this is one hundred percent Mary Shelley. One hundred percent. Mary Shelley's got her first vote. Let's see uh, if a bodybuilder can get in this and take home the win. Next pick here is going to Brian. Bodybuilder, really? Uh, my <laughs> puns are off. What can I say? <laughs> I, I don't read much. It's the closest thing I could get to, okay? All right. So, yeah, let's let's go ahead and give credit where credit is definitely due because it wasn't just the 1800s. This was 1818 when she actually mm-hmm. uh, released Frankenstein. So it's two, over 200 years old. Um, Mary Shelley did a, an incredible thing that in a, in a time when it didn't exist yet. Um, I, I'm with you. I love Anne McCaffrey. I, I love the Dragon Riders of Pern. I was very happy. A sci-fi category came up on Jeopardy and I watched them completely whiff the whole damn thing. <sighs> the thousand, the thousand dollar question was Anne McCaffrey wrote about this world. I'm going, ah! <laughs> and nobody guessed. And, and Alex Trebek goes, it's called Pern. I've never heard of it either. And I went, oh, my heart. Um, uh, Damn it. I No, I mm, let it burn. Anne McCaffrey gets my vote. (laughs) No, this is going to be rough. (laughs) I can feel it. Oh, it is one to one. We are going to move right along here. Jay, it's over to you. This pairing is rude. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it is pretty rude. You're, you're putting you're putting Anne McCaffrey, the first woman to win a Hugo. Anne McCaffrey, the first woman to win a Nebula Award. Uh, a grandmaster in the science fiction and fantasy writers of America Hall of Fame. Uh, the the creator of Dragon Riders of Pern, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the woman has a CV. The woman is an all time legend, and who whoever made this decision is rude. Because you put the queen up against the empress. It's Mary Shelley, everybody. There is no sci-fi as we know it without her. She is the bedrock upon which this bracket was born. You can't, can't eliminate her first round. Uh, and I'm pissed. Yeah, this one was a heartbreaking one. Against Anne McCaffrey, but you. You can't cap to the master. Uh, Mary Shelley has has to get my nod. Mary Shelley picks up her second vote. We are going to move right along here. We got a little contentious battle. Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, I think my uh, my lack of knowledge of some of the the fantasy or the the, the kind of dragons and warlocks and wizards side of sci-fi is uh, is kind of coming up here because you're right. Anne McCaffrey probably deserved a higher seed here. Uh, I think I come back to the idea of um, 
what I know, I, I read the uh, sideways stories from Wayside School all the freaking time. Uh, and there's one story about uh, a kid called named BB Gun, I think was her name, and she was uh, very famous for drawing things really, really quickly and writing lots and lots of uh, drawing lots and lots of pictures. And she said, "Oh, you look up! I made all of this art." And Mrs. Jules, the teacher, comes up to her and says, "Well, you have someone else made a picture, and it's better than all of your pictures, and that person has made more art than you." It's an interesting argument, right? Is one absolute masterpiece truly better than a hundred or so perfectly serviceable and often very good books, which is the essence of what we're being asked to decide in this particular matchup? Uh, I happen to go for the one masterpiece side of things. I think uh, we have to move Shelley on. But, yeah, I mean, Jay's absolutely right to chew me out from not putting Man, Man McCaffrey a lot higher. Uh, <laughs> and I, I regret that failure. <laughs> well, Mary Shelley's going to be moving along. Steven, did yeah, we get God, this right? God forbid she get a sixth seed because that's reserved for legends like Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I just wanted a lot of opportunities to talk shit about her, all right? <laughs> Steven, you're up, sir. For once... In your otherwise worthless, pathetic life, you've done a great service to humanity, Jeff, and that you did not kick it down the road to me, so I had to make this goddamn decision, because I could never make it. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and balance the scales more properly, give Anne my vote, uh, and and, and I, I could kiss you, sir. I could kiss you. That'll be on Boozy After Dark. Mary Shelley is moving on, but it is closer than the experts have predicted. We are moving on. We got our last pick of the evening. It's a 2 to 15 upset possibility. Brian, you're kicking us off the two seed C.S. Lewis. The 15 seed. I should have researched this. Brian, I should have researched this. Before. Jake's. It's Jake's. Brian Jake's. Jake's. Thank you, Carmella. Brian Jake Nash, Bird. take us away. Wow. All right. So, uh, C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia. I mean, this is one of the founding building blocks of modern fantasy. Uh, Brian Jakes uh, did a wonderful series called the Redwall series. Uh, as much as it pains me to say it, I have not read anything in the Redwall series. Um. But I think even if I had, it still wouldn't really matter because Narnia is one of the... What the hell can you say against Narnia? Narnia gets my vote. It's easy. C.S. Lewis has the first vote. Next pick here is going to Jay. So I, if I remember correctly, I in fact have read Redwall. It was a book. It was fine. It's totally fine. I have nothing nothing bad to say about it. It wasn't so memorable that I could give you major plot points. I think it was anthropomorphic animals. I'm reasonably certain, but I might be confusing that with The Secret of Nim or Watership Down. I don't know. Lots of critters. Lots of books. Uh, C.S. Lewis does not have that confusion in my head. C.S. Lewis is the Narnia guy. Uh, full stop. Nothing else needs to be said. It's uh, another kind of crime situation that C.S. Lewis... Um, lived in a world where J.R.R. Tolkien uh, not only was his contemporary, but was his friend. 
uh, because he deserves to be the two seed in this bracket. Uh, and Tolkien, Tolkien deserves to be the one. And that's, uh, that is no disrespect to C.S. Lewis, uh, at all when I say that. Uh, Brian Jakes, I'm, I'm sure was a swell chap, but if you, if you think that Redwall holds a candle to the chronicles of what, Narnia, um, you're, you're in the, you're in the wrong podcast, my friends. It is C.S. Lewis all the way. C.S. Lewis has two votes. Jeff, over to you. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Redwall as much as the next guy, but Narnia is Narnia, Lewis is Lewis. Move him along, and let's uh, start figuring out how the hell we're going to make the C.S. Lewis, Mary Shelley decision in the next round. C.S. Lewis got three. Steven. <sighs> Y'all doing Brian real bad here. Uh, look, Redwall was like my first epic fantasy series that I just dug into. It holds a huge special place in my heart, particularly the first three books. Like, like Martin the Warrior was a transformative experience for me. Um, it, it pains me because Lewis, he's overrated. Uh, and Narnia, to be fair, Narnia aren't even his best books. I mean, like, he's got better books out there. He's, he, man, the man did write, like, Till We Have Faces. He is a good writer. I'm not saying he's terrible, but it, he should not uh, he should not be doing this to Brian. It's a lot of people's first books, I assume. Um, so you know what? It's fuck it. I'll 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 be for once in my life. I'll go against the grain. This one time and one time only. Never have. I'm gonna go before. ahead and fight, vote for Brian Jakes. Yeah, well, I'm trying a new leaf, Brian no. Jakes. Uh, Stephen openly admits he's seen Avatar: Way of the Water three times. We are moving on to the <laughs> last pick of this episode, Carmella. What do we have here? So whereas Stephanie Meyer and Pierce Anthony was a race at the bottom, this was a race to the top to me because this is a difficult decision for me. Um, Redwall and Narnia kind of occupy similar spaces in my brain. Uh, they're, you know, they're children's series. They, they're kind of long series. And I think when I was talking about it with Waco, it's kind of like you start it and you, you kind of age out of it before you get to the end. <laughs> so you really can only judge it by like the first few books. Um, I, when it comes to Narnia, I really just like the magician's nephew and the rest of it falls flat for me. I'm not super into the religious overtones. Uh, I'm not super into, uh, you know, I think it's Susan. Uh, she starts to grow up and starts to get kind of more adultish feelings and everybody else dies and gets to go to heaven and she's got to be stuck here outside of Narnia. I think that's kind of shitty. Um, and it's a kind of a shitty message. Um, I just like Redwall better. Um, and, and that's why, uh, and you know, put some respect on Brian Jake's name. Just because you don't know who he is doesn't mean that he's <laughs> any less important. Um, so yeah, Brian Jake's. I know he's not going to move on. C.S. Lewis 100% deserves to move on, um, but Brian Jake's is going to get my vote. And with that, C.S. Lewis is definitely moving on, and so are we. As we bid adieu, and I beg Jeff to show me his Prince Caspian, we are going to go into the last, into the next round of the tournament with this matchup. It's going to be J.R.R. Tolkien taking on Edgar Rice Burroughs. Madeline Lengel taking on Neil Gaiman. Whew. These don't get any easier as we get Stephanie Mayer against Philip Pullman, Bill's brother, I'm assuming. And then we're going to get Mary Shelley against C.S. Lewis. Listen, you've heard enough from us tonight. Check the show notes for our Patreon. Check the show notes for our Facebook group and our Discord server. But for Boozy Bracketology, I have been Chris. I have been Jeff. I have been Steven. I've been Carmella.
I have been and still will be Brian. And I've been Jay. We'll see you next week as we continue our road through the round of 68. Have a good one.